On today's episode of Up in the Air, we bring on one of my really good buddies from college, went to UCSB together. After college, we decided it'd be a good idea to live together. He went on to achieve his master's as well at the university, and now he works in San Francisco at a startup dealing with client solutions. He's got a really interesting job, and I think a lot of you will gain some insight from it. And really what to do after college in terms of going straight into your career path, we're going to get a master's. Everybody, Matt Turner. Up in the air, episode four, we're bringing on my good buddy, Matthew Turner. Dude, what's up, man? How's it going, Alec? Good to be here. I'm glad to bring you on despite this... uh, quarantine situation i know you're thousands of miles away from me and uh out there in san francisco so what's what's your covid19 situation in the uh the city there yeah it's um it's new for sure (laughs) um i think uh everyone's kind of experiencing different uh different challenges but um it's been quite interesting um you know living in the big city of San Francisco where we're seeing kind of the crackdown of the metropolitan area, uh, getting to deal with, you know, kind of large shelter in place orders. Um, and, you know, it's kind of, kind of posed some challenges with daily routines and, uh, you know, work rhythms and just everyday life. But, um, you know, we're, we're safe and healthy and, and happy for the most part and um, finding other ways to, to spend some time and, um, also seeing kind of new hobbies pop up and, um, you know, reconnecting with, with family members and, and, and friends that you don't really talk to. So really there's a lot of positives coming out of it. Um, and just really happy to be healthy and, and safe and, uh, in a position to kind of, you know, enjoy this, this quarantine time and, and really fight through kind of the, some of the struggles that it's posed so far. Um, so overall, uh, doing pretty well. Yeah, man. I mean, that's the thing is, is I've told a lot of people, especially, even talking to Rocco last week about it. And I said, you know, I'm sure you had a routine and I'm sure that this has thrown all of that off. And and you and I were talking before the show even started about, you know, you used to walk to work every morning. That was kind of your 20, 30 minutes to yourself to get ready for the day. So what has changed now that COVID-19 has started? You're in lockdown quarantine. Do you have a routine? I mean, I know how you are your personality. I mean, you're a guy who likes to have a routine, be organized, you know, think very logically about everything. Do you, have you formulated a new routine during this? Yeah. I mean, I, I I think in some ways, yes. And and in many ways, no, Um, you know, thinking about some of the core pieces of the routine pre quarantine, um, you know, those have gone out the door, right? There, there's no uh, walking to work, like you mentioned earlier. There's no, you know, workout after work. There's no, you know, grocery store run every Sunday. It's, it's, it's all kind of condensed and, and changed because of our, uh, you know, outside environment and, and kind of the, the pressures and the forces that we're, we're held into. Um, but along with that, kind of you know, being forced into this quarantine, I, I think I've overall tried to find ways to to develop kind of a new routine, routine as you mentioned, um, to, re- to really kind of keep some of that energy and some of that momentum uh, switched over into kind of my, my daily life within, within my small apartment apartment in San Francisco. So, you know, doing different things like sitting down for Jeopardy every night, right? So, so <laughs> right. is is a new is a new big thing for me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm zooming with with my family members back home and we're making it a little competition now. So, every night, you know, I'm I'm making dinner, you know, 6:15, 6:30, making sure it's ready to go and to sit down on the couch and enjoy some Jeopardy with the family. So, kind of finding some of those different things throughout the day to really uh follow along with the time and and having that to look forward to uh whether it's you know morning midday afternoon evening um is a great way to kind of you know keep that positivity going keep that routine somewhat in place um and and work through these tough times when you're when you really kind of fall in subject to cabin fever so uh, am i am i interrupting your your family jeopardy time right now are we interrupting I'm hoping we finish before that. Let's go with that. But, uh, <laughs> got it recorded in case you are. So were you okay. like, hey, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to make it tonight, guys. Well, why, Matt? What the hell are you doing? There's, we're in a lockdown. <laughs> well, I have to go on a podcast, so they'll they'll find out shortly. That's for sure. They'll find out. Shortly. Wait, so are we on a time crunch here? We only got what 23 minutes, if I if my math is correct. 
that, that, that might be all we have, but um, <laughs> no, no, you're, you're worth more than that. We can skip Jeopardy tonight. I've uh, I've done it in the past, so uh, you know, and, and and I think that's another kind of um, interesting thing, right? Like you can break routines. It's it's good to break routines and and, and do different things. And um, you know, one of the big things that I think is really important during this time of, of quarantine is is having hobbies, right? So right. so people with hobbies and and you know interests outside of work and and um, you know kind of daily life you're really able to kind of use those hobbies as a grounds for investing yourself and putting some energy, effort, time, passion into. Um, now, granted, those hobbies have to be things you can do pretty much indoors or, uh, you know, without, you know, a large group of people. Um, but I, I think that's so essential, so important uh, today is to to have those other items that you're passionate about to, to fill your time with and, um, you know, to to put effort and energy into outside of your, you know, your, your, your work day. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's it's really key as, as people think about uh, filling their days kind of going forward here in terms of our quarantine. No, I agree. I mean, when this whole thing started, I was like, OK, there's there's two ways to go about this. And I've talked about this before. You either wait in the corner and be scared about it. Or like you said, you can break routine, start to invest in yourself a little bit and get out of your comfort zone. And this whole Zoom situation, the Zoom happy hours, Zooming with my family, more FaceTimes. I mean, you and I, we haven't talked in a while. I mean, we're both busy. I get it. We don't live near each other anymore. But you know, something like this has forced us to come together and, and be able to sit down and talk about this. I know that I've talked to certain family members that I haven't in, in months. And we've done Zoom calls with my entire family where it was difficult to just get us all to sit down at the same spot when we all live near each other. So there there are tidbits I take from it. Um, but it's definitely you've, you've got to do some soul searching. I mean, I wake up and sometimes I feel completely different about the situation than the day before. I start to form a routine, but then I think if I do everything the same every day and I'm living in the same area, like I'm going to go crazy. So I think you're right. I think you have to sort of be like, no, I'm not going to work out today or no, I'm not going to eat the same thing. Like you, you have to mix it up just to provide yourself with some sense of entertainment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think overall it's, it, it's funny because you know, this time is, it's becoming a simpler and slower time. And, and I hate to use the word simpler in a time where, you know, there's this, there's this virus that's, that's undetectable and, and affecting, you know, the global environment. Um, but overall, by, by simpler and slower, I, I mean, there's less decisions I'm personally making in my everyday life in terms of priorities, right? Do I go to the gym after work? Do I go home and watch TV? Do I go home and cook versus picking up, you know, something out to eat? It really kind of uh, simplifies kind of what you have in front of you uh, and brings it down to kind of slower, less decisions uh, and, and more focus going back to what you said on, on Zoom you know, meetings or Google Hangouts with with your family and friends, you can really dedicate time and prioritize time to things that that you might not used to do because you didn't have that time to to put into it. So, um, I, I think kind of that's the core theme. There is is simpler and slower times give us the ability um, to to really slow down and, and and find these new hobbies, new interests new, you know, avenues of friendships and, and, and family connections that maybe you didn't put time to in the past. No, I, I love that. I think it certainly has simplified things. I think you're not being pulled in so many directions, like, you know, the normal person who's our age, 20, 20 you know, after college, you, you start working or you go to get, you know, a, a master's degree or, or whatever it may be, but you still get pulled in directions from other people. Hey, come to this pregame or, Hey, we're going to go to this concert or, Hey, come and do this. And now all of that has kind of gone away. And you're right. It's like, I got to worry about my job, what I'm going to eat that day. And then am I going to go outside and get some fresh air? Am I going to call my parents? Like it's, it's really limited what you have to think about. And I, I heard a great quote yesterday. Somebody said, nothing is happening but everything is happening at the same time. It's like, it, you know what I mean? Like, I, I thought that Absolutely. was such a great way to talk about it because we don't know what's going on from one day to the next. I mean, I thought this thing would be over by now and I don't oh, yeah. really see an end in sight. I don't think 
things will ever be the same. I think this will forever change habits, routines, trends, the way we consume media, the way we do everyday things. I mean, I I was talking with Roko like, is it going to be weird to shake hands with people in like three months? I don't know. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I kind of look at this time and in this kind of global event as as a catalyst, right? So, um, you know, looking at it as a catalyst uh, in industry first, a lot of new technology or emerging technologies are now being pushed to the forefront of business needs and, and even at-home individual user needs uh, and really catalyzing that, that movement into people's everyday life. Um, so, you know, the technology is, is a big thing that uh, is, is being, you know, looked to uh, and adopted because of how quarantine is, is affecting what everyone can do with, with the government shelter in place orders and, and just kind of being smart about, um, you know, stopping the spread of this, this virus as, as quickly as possible. Um, you know, I think I think the virus is also kind of bringing us back to our roots in a way, right? So it's a catalyst to, um, you know, remember the connections in in terms of family and friends, right? So you know, I'm connecting with my high school friends even more than than I ever have in the past because you know I I have the time now and in you know remembering those uh, you know friendships and and you know past events to where we can all reconnect on, on a Zoom invite, or uh, I don't know if you've heard of, of Quiplash and, and kind of Jackbox TV games, but we're, you know, set. Oh, Jackbox is great. And, Love Jackbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, kind of use, and, and once again, that kind of brings back the technology, but, uh, you know, using this time, or using this quarantine time to catalyze um, different kind of strongholds that are, that are going to be, um, probably part of our everyday routines going forward, it'll be interesting to see which ones stick and, and which ones hold and, and which ones kind of fade out. Um, but, but as you mentioned, um, I, I don't think this is going to be a, a short time at all. You know, we're, we're going to be, you know, deep in quarantine for who knows a few more months. Um, you know, wave two could be a big thing. There's, there's experts talking about this being, you know, a flu like virus that sticks around and kind of comes around certain parts of the year. Um, and, and when it's this, when it's this transferable, when it's this easy to, uh, you know, to catch from, from someone else, uh, you know, it's, it's a dangerous, dangerous thing to, to not take seriously. So, um, we, we've all got to, you know, kind of continue to be smart and safe with it. Um, but it'll definitely be something that doesn't impact us just, you know, in 2020. Um, I think we'll be talking about it in, in 2030 and 2040, uh, just in terms of, of what it's done and, and where it still is. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I, I look at it as, it it really made me think about how much time had passed, you know, since we had graduated from UCSB and you start to talk to people, you start to really look at timelines and where everybody has moved to and what people are doing. And I mean, if you think about it right after we graduate, like we were living together every day. So our routines and what we did, like I'd come home, we would, you know, watch football or watch basketball, whatever we'd make dinner, maybe sit down, have a beer. Like we were, you know, intertwined every single day, we'd go get a beer somewhere outside, go to the beach, whatever. And then, you know, you move, I move a couple years later, and that routine and being with that person is totally gone. And you don't take the time to really look back and be like, wow, like, we literally did everything together every day. And now here we are, you know, two and a half, almost, almost two and a half years later, talking about this current situation and we're using technology to do it and I can't even fly and go and hang out over there. It's just, there's so much that's gone on. And I think it's really made me be very reflective with my relationships, family, friends, things that are important to me and really looking in the mirror and saying, okay, what do you actually enjoy? What's important to you? And where would you like to prioritize your time? Absolutely. And, and kind of your point on uh, this time being a big reflection piece, right? So you know, we're, we're slowing down and, and remembering things in the past because of, of the environment outside with this COVID-19. Um, you know, that's a beauty in it too, right? That, that, that's a thing that we can, we can look to as a, as a way to, you know, set us our, set ourselves up for, you know, maybe a, a new path or new priorities going forward. Uh, when we do come out of this 
coronavirus period, uh, you know, a couple, couple months, couple years down the road, right? How, how do you reflect on it now and understand what are the true, you know, values and interests that you had and how can you apply those to, to what you choose and prioritize going forward? Uh, you know, that, that's one of the things I've, I've definitely tried to do so far and, and will continue to do. Um, but, we, you know, not forgetting that as we, as we come out of this period, you know, I think we're all going to be happier and, and more positive and, and, and set ourselves up for, for better success and, and, and longevity going forward. So I really like that, um, that piece on reflection there. You, you hit it on the nail. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's, I think we're going to enjoy the smaller things a little bit more, at least in the beginning, which, which I'm looking forward to. So, all right, and enough about COVID. The re- one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on, and I think you're, great for this because you can provide insight there's a lot of people you know they're at the end of their college career it's senior year they're applying to jobs and they're trying to figure out what the hell do i want to do here's my dream job but then here's what would make me the most money or here's where i want to live and you have all of these things pulling you in all different directions and you know you as an engineer you definitely could have gone in and immediately started working um and and probably made good money doing it so what made that decision for you to go into the master's program at UCSB and what was your thought process and how did you get there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think I want to start this off by saying, uh, you know, kind of coming over from the COVID-19 discussion, it's a really tough environment to, to be having to make those next decisions in terms of careers, looking for a job, going to school in the fall, right? It's, you know, I, I think the latest stat I saw was 26 million, you know, Americans are, are out of work. Um, and, and those seniors from college and high school are are looking for their next steps in, in their career. And, I, you know, I my heart goes out to them for kind of the, the time period that they, they got thrown into with this. Um, but But overall, kind of, you know, maybe some of my experience can kind of help them think moving forward. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and, and that kind of fueled my passion to uh, to look for the next step, right? So I wasn't looking to 30 years down the road. I was looking to what do I want to do in my next three to five years? Um, and because of that, um, you know, I, I kind of knew coming out of my undergraduate mechanical engineering degree, I didn't want to be that engineer, you know, working behind, you know, the desk, crunching numbers, doing some solid, cal- uh, some CAD solid works or, or any kind of those uh, simulation programs. I wanted to be in front of people. I wanted to be collaborative, working with people, but putting my, uh, you know, technical knowledge and passion um, still to work, right? So, so how do I combine, you know, working kind of customer-centric, customer-facing, um, collaborating with a team, but also kind of lean on all my technical expertise that, that I had grown to, to basically develop over my four years in undergrad. Um, and that's when I kind of came across the Masters of Technology Management program at UCSB. Um, it was a pr- relatively new program. Um, it was, I think it, I was the third cohort. So, um, you know, kind of took a chance on a new program. But at the essence of this program was entrepreneurship, project management, um, business strategy, marketing, topics that I knew would give me breath over my depth of technical knowledge from my engineering degree. So I thought it was really compatible with kind of where I wanted to go in the next three to five years. And it was going to give me kind of that, uh, you know, knowledge and and, and know-how to set me up for success as I moved to kind of more of a business uh, oriented position and role. So um, it kind of just, you know, fit that I was at UCSB, it was part of what I was looking for. Um, and I had known kind of the program and its involvement over the years I'd been there in undergrad. Um, so really just, I mean, I, I, I do feel lucky in a lot of ways, um, but kind of prioritizing what you're doing over the next three to five years and, and, and putting that into kind of uh, some criteria that helps guide your decisions for, for where you want to put your effort and energy. Uh, that's kind of what landed me at the master's program. And, you know, I had to, you know, I obviously watched from afar and and you and your sister were in the program together and all of us are living together. But something that was very apparent to me, and I don't know if this is something that's, you know, broadly 
known across master's programs, but everything you were doing, it wasn't, it didn't seem like busy work. It wasn't something that you guys had to come back, study, and then just let it leave your brain, you know, three hours later. Everything you were doing seemed very collaborative, very teamwork-based and solution-based. And I think, you know, that is something that a lot of people are looking for in postgraduate is they don't want to do the same thing that they just got done with. They want to take it to the next level and try and gain skills from there that they can then take into the workforce. So do you feel like you obtain that from the program? Absolutely. And, and, and that's how it was kind of pitched, um, you know, that, that, that's how they marketed it. So, you know, gr- you know, great faculty overall. I, I met so many inspiring and amazing professors and uh, professors of practice, right? People who come in from the business world and want to share their knowledge in a more formal classroom setting. Um, but really their, their core kind of pitch to us was when you go into the business workplace, you're going to work in teams. You're going to collaborate with not only your team, but this department and this department and this department. Uh, and, and you need to know how to be a team player, how to work as a team, as a group, and how to uh, complete projects, right? So, so not, you know, individual small tasks that take you, you know, a couple hours, but how do you execute a project across a whole team or a multitude of teams um, over, you know, three months, six months, nine months, a year. Um, so that, that was kind of how the curriculum of this master's program specifically was built. And honestly, kind of now being two years into, uh, you know, a, a real kind of full-time job in, in the software industry, um, it couldn't have set me up better. Uh, you know, they how they set up this curriculum and, and the, uh, you know, master's project, master's thesis project that we did really geared me up to, to really be more prepared than I could have ever imagined uh, for, for my work today, you know, at, at TalkDesk. So, um, yeah, overall, I, I think it was kind of a perfect stepping stone to, to where I am today. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people experience this, especially those in, you know, that do postgraduate law school you know that's three years as you always told me like hey this is a year that's something that's tangible to me you know I don't think too much will happen over the next year that'll totally change my mind on what I want to do and you kind of had this three to five year plan but was there ever a moment where you looked around and was like did I really make the right decision should I be here was it what do you ever experience that um I do reflect for sure you know, I, I reflect on the program and, and, you know, what I had, a, you know, what I chose to put my energy and effort into, um, you know, we, it was a nine month intensive program, right? So you're, you're there, you know, five days a week working, you know, long hours and, um, you know, really it, the goal was to, to prep you in a year to be ready for, for the workforce or ready to go back into the workforce if you were coming from, you know, kind of a business professional experience job. Um and, you know, every, every time I kind of think about it, it, it really, you know, I, I'm happy I did it. Um, I, I'm happy I did it at that time. Uh, I'm happy about the people I met, the network I created, uh, and really the, the knowledge I gained. Now, I, I, I think this program in general, the, the knowledge that I gained sets you up successfully to be a uh, manager and, and kind of a higher level, let's say senior manager, director, VP, right? So you gain that breadth of knowledge of how do I run my fa- finances to set up my organization or my department uh, for company success, right? So, you know, really it's, it's given me a leg up in terms of stepping up within a company and knowing more than maybe my counterparts doing coming from just kind of one generic uh, track path within their college degree. So, you know, overall, I, I, I keep reflecting on it and I, you know, keep going to alumni events and, and speaking to current students. And um, actually, it's 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 uh, quite a coincidence, but I, I just got off a, a Zoom call with um, a current uh, MTM grad who, who's graduating in June here. Um, and we were talking about, you know, future prospects for, for him in the workforce and, um, you know, what you know, what to do today to, to set yourself up for success. Um, and, and it kept reminding me of, of, you know, how, 
how lucky I was uh, to, to be able to be a part of the master's program and, and you know, how really, I hate to say perfect, but how perfect it, it set me up for, for where I want to be and where I want to grow into. Um, so overall, I mean, I, I, I can't say enough good stuff about this master's program and, you know, kind of, kind of where it's gotten me today. Yeah, no, I think you certainly played it right. I mean, you were, like you said, you, you did take a little bit of a risk because the program was rather new and it hadn't been around forever, but I think you could see the potential in it and what it could do to help set you up for the next phase. So you're entering the end of this nine-month intensive course, and now you've got to go and actually land the job. So what's going through your mind? What do you want to get? You know, what, what are you aiming for? And how do you eventually wind up you know, at TalkDesk? Yeah. Um, it's not a straight line process, right? It's, it's, it's definitely kind of, no, God, no, uh, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of swing and misses in there, but, um, one of the core kind of values of, of this program also was we had a great career team who set us up from the start, right? The summer before we went into this program, uh, we were expanding our network and prepping ourselves for career outreach, uh, you know, be, before we even started classes for this program. So um, really, it was a year long journey in terms of learning and, and developing a wider knowledge, but also setting yourself up to be presentable to companies and, and landing your, you know, finding that landing spot for yourself. Um, so kind of doing that throughout the year in terms of, you know, resume, uh, you know, building and uh, career workshops and what we call kind of uh, personal interviews, right? So going out and finding an individual in your network, maybe on LinkedIn or a friend of a friend that you know is in a role at a company that you might be at, might want to be at in two years um, and reaching out, right? And, and extending extending a message to say, hey, do you have 15 minutes to chat with me on, on how you got into that role today? Uh, and, and what you'll find is people want to help each other kind of at the core, right? You know, when, when someone reaches out to you, uh, it's, it's human instinct to, to want to help that person, especially if you have something you can relate on, whether that's a school or a friend uh, or a mentor, um, so, so doing those interpersonal interviews and, and learning kind of the steps that, um, you know, these individuals took to get to where they are today um, helped kind of me gather my knowledge of, of what I needed to do to present myself to companies coming out of the master's program in June. Um, so with that in mind, I, I took that kind of wrote my criteria down on paper. So I had some guidelines of, of, Hey, here's what I want to be looking for. Um, you know, in terms of my, my next career move. And what that was for me personally was I want to be in the Bay area. Um, I'm, I grew up in the Bay area. I've got, uh, family, friends, uh, here. I, I feel comfortable here, uh, amongst a, a multitude of other things. Um, I wanted to be in uh, technology just in general, right? Kind of at the cutting edge of, of the new technology that, that's pushing businesses forward, pushing the world forward. Um, I didn't know what that specifically was, but I knew it was technology. And then the third piece of that in terms of kind of my core criteria was I want to be in a role that suits my uh, strong suits, right? So um, going back to, to when I talked about applying to the master's program, I wanted to be in a role that was customer facing and collaborative, but also required kind of technical expertise or technical know-how um, so that I could, you know, feel confident uh, and, and set myself up to succeed. Um, and that's when I, you know, was, was throughout my kind of couple months of searching, um, kind of late, uh, 20, late 2018. Uh, so April, April, May, 2018, uh, talk desk was one of the first kind of companies in the Bay area that, that kind of caught my eye. I actually had a few members in my network that worked there. And one of the roles was, was the implementation specialist role, which, um, basically, you know, entry level role, but, but kind of high growth and, and high scalability. Uh, and through my network and, and, and through my background, I was able to kind of work my way into an interview um, and, and lock that up for, for post-graduation um, and kind of start my talk desk career. So it, it's a grind. It's, uh, you know, you'll, you'll learn a lot of stuff along the way. I, I think, you know, 
key things to remember are you got to have patience, you got to have persistence, uh, and you got to believe in yourself. Uh, and if, if you put in the time and effort, um, you'll find it. Uh, it just, you know, it, it's not going to come on a, you know, on a golden platter and, and, and be set in front of you. You got to work for it. No, I think it's interesting the way you approached it because, you know, you thought about location. What do I want to do? What do I like doing? I think so many people, senior year of college, they're like, okay, what's my dream job? And they, and they just think about the end result. They don't think about the process of getting there. I mean, you just literally said it. Like, I took an entry-level position, but I knew it was high growth. Great. That's what you're supposed to do. You can't start at the top of the totem pole always. But I think there's such a fear in so many kids that are 22, 23 years old because we grew up with so many of these young billionaires. I mean, you look at a guy like Mark Zuckerberg, you look at these people that can go viral overnight and they say, okay, I don't want to do all the hard work. I just want to get to the end goal. Um, So I, I think the way you approached it was clinical. I think you knew what you wanted and you knew the steps you had to take and you were patient with it. But so many kids our age are impatient and they want things to happen overnight and they think if they don't land their dream job right out of college, then, oh, my God, I'm an utter failure. And it's just – it's not true. It's okay to to start somewhere and grow. And that to me is what anyone who's you know younger than us now asking about jobs and all of that, I say take a job, start to learn, and go from there. You don't have to do what you love right out of the gate. It's totally okay to take a risk, to take chances, and to understand do you even like – what you thought was your dream job. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and, you know, this is, this is cliche, but, but it, it's truly a marathon, right? It's not a sprint. Oh, uh, yeah. What I, you know, kind of, as I've gotten, you know, more experience and, and received more responsibility and, and, you know, interviewed, I'm on the other side now, right? I'm, I'm interviewing for, for my team and, 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 and talk to us as a company. Um, you know, what I look for and, and what I tell, you know, interviewees, uh, is that we want to see a story, right? We, we want to see, um, you know, what was your passion back in 2012? Uh, what did you do to fuel that? And, and how did maybe your passion change or evolve because of the, the events and, and opportunities you took on? Okay, now 2014, right? Why did you choose to go here? Um, really that story or, or your your resume and in, in, in kind of your knowledge and experience should tell a story it should tell a story of, of why you are the person you are today and why you have the knowledge and experience that you know you can you can speak to that you can you know draw from um you know to to to, to take on that next challenge and that next opportunity that that you're going after so um you know that that's you know i think a, an important lesson to kind of take away here today no, I, I love it. I love the whole story aspect because as you said in the very beginning, this is not a linear process. And if it were linear for everybody, then, you know, what the hell's the point? You know, it, things change. There's competition. A lot of unknown outside forces can interact and change that. And I mean, if you would have told me two years ago I'd live in Denver, I would be like, what the hell are you talking about? But <laughs> it's just the way that it goes. But okay, so explain to people, obviously they understand you know, you're working in San Francisco, you're, you're dealing with, you know, client solutions, as you've said, you like to have a client facing approach, but what is talk desk to someone who's never heard of it before? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, I, I've, uh, and it's funny cause I've tried to explain this to people probably in layman's yeah, terms or to a, a, yeah. a stupid person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it's still hard for me to do that. Uh, you know, a hundred or a couple hundred times in now, but, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot here, I guess. Um, talk desk is a contact center as a solution. Uh, so that's the industry we're in and we are a software platform that enables companies. So a B2B business that enables companies to manage their customer experiences and customer journeys. Now that might sound like marketing jargon or whatever you want to call it. Um, but at the core, we have our software platform that enables, uh, 
customer experience through voice. So if you're trying to call into maybe a customer support line or someone's calling out to you from a company, you know, kind of more of a sales use case, TalkDesk is managing that interaction and creating all the rules and, and the software that supports that. So voice chat, right? You go on to uh, Netflix and, and you want to chat someone because you're having troubles logging in. Uh, maybe Netflix is using TalkDesk to manage that chat interaction. Um, you know, social, right? So all the social media feeds that, that go into Netflix coming through TalkDesk for them to manage rather than uh, individuals having to sign into each Twitter account and, and Facebook account and, and respond to, to posts. So we are the platform that brings all these channels of communications together and manages it for businesses that want to use TalkDesk to basically optimize their customer experiences. Yeah, you can probably speak to this better than most people. I think in today's day of, you know, commerce and, and business, the customer experience, the consumer journey is more important than ever because we make so many decisions now where we're not even front of in front of somebody. I mean, someone goes online and Google searches something or they Yelp it or they look at reviews. They make a lot of preconceived notions about a certain company or a client and so much of that customer experience and that consumer journey is it can make or break so many people. So you guys view yourself as a solution to those companies' issues that, that might have problems dealing with that. I mean, absolutely, right? It, it goes back to brand reputation, brand loyalty, and, and how these companies choose to, uh, to support their, their customers. Um, it's such a crucial thing in today's world to uh, – to make that customer experience and journey as easy as possible. Um, and, and it's kind of a crazy time for, you know, the customer experience industry as a whole, because a lot of the, the software used out there today is, is so old. It's on premise. It's, it's not intelligent. It's not using previous data and history to uh, advise, you know, how we do something going forward. Um, and, and kind of what we're on the, the cusp of today in terms of where the technology is, uh, is, you know, let, let's say you, you go online and, and order a, you know, pair of shoes from Nike, right? And, you know, you're, you're wondering where your order is because for whatever reason, the tracking number uh, for that shipping is not showing up. Well, if you were to call Nike at that point or even chat Nike at that point, what we can do today is we can recognize your exact order. So when that customer experience agent uh, answers that phone call or picks up that chat, they can say, hey, Alec, uh, I see you might be inquiring about your order, you know, 823. Uh, we, you know, is this correct? And you don't even have to tell them, uh, you know, what your name is, what your email is, what your phone number is, or what your order is, but you can get that instant kind of gratification in that ease of that customer experience interaction within 30 seconds to 60 seconds. And that's what's, you know, simplifying this and making these customer journeys today so much easier and so much more enjoyable for that, you know, that end customer. Um, wow. so, so cool stuff like that is, is really what's changing with the industry. And um, it's kind of cool to be, you know, on the front lines of it and, and have my hands on it. Um, so, you know, once again, the industry is moving towards more data, more technology, more ability to make these interactions seamless, efficient, and, and, and really positive in the customer standpoint. So it's B2B. So do you guys have a sales team that works inside trying to interact with these companies? And what are the limitations? I mean, is this only large clients with a certain level of you know revenue? Or would you guys, let's say, go to a local solar company in California that, you know, they were growing and they wanted to have a better customer experience for people. Could you sell to someone on that level or does everything need to be these larger companies? Oh, I mean, at TalkDesk, we're definitely moving up market, uh, which means we're trying to sell to larger and larger corporations um, and, you know, bring in the Fortune 100 companies. We actually uh, just recently closed with, with Disney Plus. So oh, we're, wow. We're, no way. We're, uh, we're now supporting Disney Plus uh, customers' experience, basically. So uh, give them a call, and, and you'll know that they're using TalkDesk <laughs> on their end. Uh, Are they paying but, you guys monthly? I mean, how does the contract work, if you, if you don't mind me asking? 
No, absolutely. Um, it, it truly depends on the corporation. That's all negotiated in the contract. Most of the large corporations will pay uh, yearly. Uh, that, that's usually kind of fit into their yearly budget and, and just kind of how they operate. Uh, most smaller companies will, will be paying monthly or quarterly. They'll kind of negotiate those terms. But um, kind of going back to your original question, we'll sell it to anybody, right? If, if mom and pop, you know, Photoshop down the street wants, you know, to use our software, we're happy to, you know, to provision an account. Um, you know, it's cloud-based, it's quick, it's easy. They can log in anywhere. We can turn it on within, you know, five minutes. Wow. So it's, it's, it's really, really simplifying kind of setup time, uh, training and, and understanding time for those end users uh, and basically deployment time. So um, those are kind of the key areas we're, we're trying, to, trying to bring down. So do you see an increase in this sort of traffic due to the current climate and the fact that so many people are probably calling customer service or they're ordering things online? Has there been an influx on your guys' end? I'm glad you uh, you brought the conversation there because because absolutely, um, you know we were talking about COVID nineteen and, and kind of the uh, environmental impact we're, we're seeing in in our lives um, earlier on in the podcast. But when we think about it from you know the business perspective, um, it's actually driving a lot of our technological advancement and adoption. Right. So so the hardest thing within you know talked us today or, or kind of the past couple years is our sales team getting convincing these customers to switch over to the talk to cloud-based native solution all these old existing solutions are on premise they go into a large you know uh, brick and mortar warehouse building or, or office building where they have phones on the desk and uh, you know everything's just so based on this brick and mortar setup Whereas talk desk, someone can log in from an office, someone can log in from uh, Russia, someone can log in from you know Germany, and it's that same one user, but you can log in from anywhere, right? You don't have to have a phone on your desk, you don't have to have a server within your office. Um, really, our technology is, is trying to disrupt uh, the old technology within this industry, and quarantine and, and COVID-19 uh, we're actually seeing a little bit of a bump in inbound requests and uh, in, in sales in general. So, um, you know, kind of the, the dichotomy of, of COVID-19 is this technology for, for the CCAS industry, and I know there's technology across multiple industries seeing this, uh, is being adopted faster. It's, it's getting adopted faster because of the constraints uh, we see in our everyday lives. So. Um, it, it's it's pretty cool to, to see that happen. Uh, you know, it's it's tough to, to be a part of the COVID-19 environment, knowing that, uh, you know, there's a lot of worry in the world and there's a lot of, um, you know, suffering and, and just uncertainty. Um, but for TalkDesk, uh, we're, we're actually seeing, you know, kind of a jump in the adoption of our technology. No, it's, it's interesting you point that out. I had a conversation yesterday about a certain attribution technology that we have. And a lot of people in the advertising industry, they put money in three or four different buckets. And when you ask them what works, they go, well, I assume that the radio does this and TV does that and print does this, but it's all assumption correlation. We have the technology to actually, through the marriage of all your connected devices, basically put a fingerprint on your commercial, whether you're watching it on TV or your connected TV devices like Roku and track that. So somebody could watch a commercial, they could visit your website on their iPad, and then they could physically go into your location and we can track all that. Now, we never had the ability to do that before, but now, to your point, it's making people adopt things a little bit faster because they're trying to figure out a solution. They're trying to figure out how to fix my problem and they're being much more cautious about their money because they're sitting there going, okay, number one, I got to make payroll, but I still got to keep my brand recognition up. So, I think you're right. I think there's going to be habits adopted right now that will last for years to come, and it may never go back to the way it was before. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, that's just technology coming into the fold and trying to make life easier for people. One hundred percent. And 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 it's you know it's it's interesting. And 
it, it's powerful seeing it, it, it firsthand and, you know, you in, in, in your role and kind of what your company is doing and uh, on the front line of that technology and, and, and talk to us in the CCAST space. So, um, you know, I, I think kind of one of the, the key things to, to take away here is um, it, it's it's awesome to be kind of on the front lines of, of that technology and of that adoption and of that movement. Um, and we're really making, we're, I mean, <laughs> this might sound a little bit cliche too, I'll go back to that, but we're really giving people the opportunity to be able to work out of the comfort of their home and businesses the ability to not shut off their contact centers or, or their sales organizations or support organizations. Um, you know, we're providing that flexibility. Um, and, and to me, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about, you know, I'm passionate about that. I, I enjoy kind of being a part of uh, the workforce of a company uh, that's able to to provide that to our current customers, to new customers, um, and, and it motivates me to um, it, it motivates me to not only work hard but to do any, everything I can to make our customers happy because I know it's a lot tougher out there for a lot of other companies kind of fighting through layoffs and, and, and struggles with COVID-19. So if, if we can do a little part from our side, um, you know, just it, it, it's a great feeling to, to kind of, um, you know, put my effort and energy in today's work uh, towards that. Was that your talk desk plug-in right there? Was that your pitch? <laughs> it, it's definitely sounded like This it, right? is brought to you by talk desk. <laughs> No, I love it, dude. I, I think, so. you know, it's so interesting to talk to my buddies that across different industries and how it's affecting them and the fact that, you know, some of these people are on the front lines of it, whether it be medically, I have friends who are nurses and they have to deal with that every day. You've got friends who are in the industry such as yourself where technology is changing every day and can it help people. So I think it's great to understand what's going on and ask these people questions. Um, because it's important because like you said we're going to look back on this and it won't go away this will always exist it'll always be a part of our history and we were right in the middle of it as we're you know just getting started with our lives basically Uh, absolutely i you know i kind of think of um you know covid19 and and what we're seeing today as um it's it's a global challenge it's a global challenge that's testing governments, testing businesses, testing individuals in terms of um, how they react to tough situations. Um, And and it brings out a lot of people's true colors. And I think if we can all take a step back uh, and and not only learn from this, but uh, recognize, you know, how we can be kind to one another and, and thoughtful and, and work with each other to, to make it through this. You don't know how it's affecting, you know, someone, you know, on the other side of the wall of your apartment. You don't know how COVID's affecting, you know, the business down the street. Um, you might think, you know, you, you know, it's, it's easy to say, oh, I, I know how they're feeling, um, but, but no one really knows. So, I, you know, I think, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, that I'll, I'll give another plug here, but I'll say is, um, <laughs> you know, well, we, we should be kind to one another and, and, and thoughtful of, you know, how we're treating each other. And, um, you know, kudos to you for, for sitting down with people and, and asking the, these questions during this time, because um, there's a lot to learn and there's a lot of perspectives to see. Um, so, so really great job from, from your standpoint, kind of taking the time to, to explore those different uh, questions and, 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 thoughts and viewpoints uh, because they need to be shared. Yeah, I've always told people, you know, I like doing this because to have the ability to encapsulate conversations I think is important because you can look back and be reflective and understand what was going on at the time. And it's I think it's important just for historical reference and your own personal reference to to look back on it. This is something we can look back on. Um, So now that we've we've talked about the work and I understand the education and the master's program, what has been your uh, booze of choice in this uh, this lockdown? <laughs> uh, I'll start with I don't like to limit myself. Uh, so our, <laughs> our Costco runs, our, our cart looks a little bit uh, larger on the on the booze side than some of the other carts I see rolling through. But um, uh, 
kind of like I, I know we talked about this when we uh, when we lived back together in Santa Barbara. Um, I'm off the IPAs now as well. Uh, that, that craft beer of, of California and the West Coast is uh, it's it's gotten to me. So <laughs> my my focus these days are uh, it's more on the wine side and it, it, it's more on the gin and tonics and old fashioned. Really? Wow, kind of my, you've leveled up. My, my you were always like, go-tos. hey man, let's drink an IPA. I'm like, God, it's so heavy right now. I don't know if I can I do that. I've actually gone the reverse. I wouldn't say the reverse, but you know me. Like I I had fully transitioned to mainly wine, and everyone made fun of me for it. But, hey, I lost weight, so that's good. I got rid of the beer carbs. (laughs) But since this whole thing started, like I said, it's the little things that maybe can be entertaining. You know when you go to a liquor store, Trader Joe's, and they have like create your own six-pack? I've been doing that because for me it's like, oh, I can sit down and – try these different beers and Denver obviously is a huge craft brewery community as is, you know, California, but it's been little things like that where it's like, all right, I can't go to a bar or I can't go and do something outside. That's fun. So maybe if I get this variety six pack and I go through what I like and what I don't, this can be some entertainment for me for the weekend. So I've, I've actually got to transition to more beer and being a little more open-minded, but no, I'm, I'm still on the wine grind and some mules. I've been making mules lately with uh with the lady actually yeah i don't have the copper mugs yet i haven't leveled Ah. up to that damn yeah i'll send you a set or something for uh for having me on here um yeah put a talk desk logo on the mug mug. (laughs) (laughs) i'll send you some bumper stickers as well yeah yeah we'll get you another plug but anyway man well i know you gotta run i i think i've made you miss the majority of jeopardy here with the with the turner squad (laughs) but uh tell them i said hello and We'll have to square back up when this thing goes away and and we'll hear more about kind of what you're experiencing in San Francisco. And I think, you know, what you're doing is certainly important right now. And I I think it'll definitely have an effect on people who are coming out of college, dealing with this and and hearing some advice from someone who's been been through it. Absolutely. And and once again, I I appreciate you having me on. It's it's great to have a a forum just for casual conversations and, uh, you know, uh, talk about my viewpoints, your viewpoints, and, and everyone else you had on here. So, so keep the good work up. Um, I'm sure I'll catch up with you hopefully in Denver shortly after this uh, quarantine shelter in place lifts. Uh, I know, man. But it's... but really appreciate it. All right, brother. Well, hopefully I'll see you soon and uh, keep doing your thing out there, man. Sounds great, Alec. Take it easy. All right, man. brother. Peace. Peace. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode four of Up in the Air. That was Matthew Turner. If you like what you guys are hearing, you can like, share, and subscribe if you want to hear more. Thanks.